All that remained in my soul were those feelings of shame that had been with me since middle school. Hey there! If you believe in God and aren't really sure what to do with that belief, or if you personally know Jesus and want a deeper relationship with Him, then this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Middleton, and welcome to the BookCast. Hey friend, I'm so glad to have you back for Chapter 9. Or if you are a new friend who's listening for the first time, I'm thankful to have you join us too. This is the ninth chapter in one of the first books to be released exclusively through a podcast. Welcome to the experiment. As we get into today's chapter, I just wanted to give a quick note about the content of this one. I get very real about struggling with different kinds of sin, especially sin related to sexual purity. My goal, as always, is to share my story of how this area of my life has affected my identity. I want to share how specific sins have affected my own journey and relationship with Jesus. I also share some practical life application pieces that I have learned, but in no way do I want to force anything on you. Just maybe give you some things to consider. I also want to give a quick warning if you have young ears listening along with you. Please use discretion. I remain candid in this chapter in dealing with sin that might not be appropriate for young children. Please listen to this chapter before making the choice if your children are ready to listen to it or not. I pray that as you listen and relate to my story, that you hear my heart and see me for not what I've done, but for who I am in Christ. I pray that as I remove all these layers of deception, that you would see who I am and who you are at the deepest level. The Truest Thing From Paul's Letter to the Churches of Galatia Chapter 2, Verse 20 My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the Anointed One lives His life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that He gave Himself for me, dispensing His life into mine. Chapter 9 Identity in Sin I felt dirty. I always did after watching porn. I had hoped this would go away after I got married, but it didn't. So now I sat on my bed. Feelings of guilt, shame, and loneliness filled my room as the darkness in my heart seemed to grow. Porn seemed to help me find something happy for a bit, but it was artificial and never lasted. When the rush of the sin wore off, all that remained in my soul were those feelings of shame that had been with me since middle school. I discovered porn fairly early in life. The massive growth of YouTube, the ease of a Google search, and the lack of parental controls in the early stages of the internet helped my middle school self find ways to create situations that would leave me home alone with the family computer. This lasted all the way through high school, college, and now into my second year of married life. It seemed 
far too easy to open up the world of the internet and go searching for some kind of relief. But those feelings evaporated the instant I shut it off. I sat on my bed, feeling alone and ashamed. I knew what I was doing was not okay. I knew that it wasn't even real. I had a husband who loved me, so why did I feel this pull towards my laptop screen? I loved God, and I loved my husband, so why couldn't I just stop? I wanted to be done. I wanted to be free, but I didn't know how. Sin Nature Since we live after the Garden of Eden, after Adam and Eve sinned, our default is to sin. God originally made us in His image and made us perfect. But once us humans messed it up, that changed forever. Now, when we are born, our default setting is sin. Sin is what we know as our first nature because we are born into it. While, as a human race, our original nature was righteous and perfect, as individuals who live after the fall, our assumed first nature is sin. It's all we have ever known. Because of this assumed first nature, when left to our own decisions, we will choose sin over what is right. Sin feels natural to us. Without Jesus, sin isn't just what we do, but it's who we are. Without Jesus, we are sinners. It's in our nature. It's in our identity. Unless Jesus rescues us, sin is who we are. Pretty heavy stuff. Romans 5.12 says it like this, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. That event of sin entering the world is called the fall. This term, the fall, indicates more than just a personal sin from Adam and Eve, but hints at the lasting effect that sin had on the rest of humanity. Even though God created humans in His own image to be like Him in righteousness, we no longer see that as our original nature because of sin. Each one of us has sinned, but even more than that, each one of us are sinners. On our own, that is who we are, people who compulsively choose the wrong thing. It's this way with all sin, from pornography to gluttony to treating others poorly. I always want to do better next time, but ultimately, even if I know what the best choice is, I still choose evil when left to myself. I still choose sin. But God wasn't willing to give up on us as a human race. He wanted to bring us back to Him. And because He knows us so well, He knew that we would want to try to do it better on our own first. God knew that in our independence, we would want to fix it. So God gave us His commandments. He gave us his law. The law. So God gave us humans a chance to change and gave us more rules to live by. We moved from having one rule, 
don't eat from that tree, to having Ten Commandments. God graciously tried to tell people how to love well and live in peace. God gave us humans a second chance to make better choices. Unfortunately, we failed. We broke the first commandment on the very first day. We couldn't do it. So, out of His mercy, He kindly gave us more and more opportunities to change. He gave the Israelites so many chances to pick what was right, adding more and more laws to try and point us back to Him. But we always came up short. We continually broke those commands. In fact, the entire history of the Israelites shows that even when right and wrong is spelled out for us in black and white, we humans can't seem to do the right thing. We keep choosing the wrong things because it is now in our nature. Because sin is now part of who we are as humans, God's law didn't help very much. Things like rape, murder, idol worship, greed, oppression, and pride fill the stories of the Israelites in the Old Testament. Their stories reflect our own hearts and reveal that us humans couldn't even use the step-by-step directions on how to be good. Their stories show us that because of our sin nature, God's law and God's rules don't save us. I'll say that again. Following the rules cannot save us because we aren't good enough to follow them. Does that mean that the law is bad? No, the law was good and showed us how to live rightly. The thing that is wrong is me. I'm the one who can't even follow the step-by-step guide. I'm the one where sin lives. If there's a discrepancy between myself or the law, the fault is with me because that's where the sin is. The law isn't bad. I simply lack the capacity to follow it on my own. The laws that God gave us only ended up showing us how sinful we really are and how much we need Him. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Romans 3.20 Even when I know in my head what is good and right, I can't seem to ever do it. This frustrating dynamic is what the Apostle Paul struggled with, too. I've never related more with a biblical passage than what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. I don't know what kind of sin Paul was thinking about when he wrote this letter to Romans, but when I think of my own sin in struggling with sexual integrity, These verses truly hit home. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives within me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway.
But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am! Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God! The answer is Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Romans 7, 14-25 Because of the sin nature we were born with, we can't just do better, even if we know better. Even when we know what's right, even when we know the law, the law doesn't save us. Following God's law doesn't make us right with God because it doesn't change our nature. It just exposes it. And man, did I feel that exposure. Even though I was home alone, I felt like a rat in the basement who had just been discovered by someone snapping on the light. My soul felt naked and bare. As I sat at the foot of my bed, feelings of shame and regret soaked my heart while thoughts of the consequences drowned my mind. What was this doing to my marriage? Was I supporting sex trafficking by watching this? What was this doing to my relationship with God? I knew the answers, but unfortunately, knowing the consequences of my actions did nothing to help me stop sinning. It just made me feel worse about it. My heart felt like it weighed my whole body down. I didn't want to move but I didn't want to stay in this state of self-loathing. I needed to do something. I had kept this secret for too long, and I needed a way out. Something deeper needed to change. Second Nature Have you ever heard the phrase, second nature? Perhaps you have practiced a skill or a talent over and over again until it feels natural for your body to move or think in that way. When we constantly practice something, we feel like it naturally flows from us. It almost feels like we were born to do it. We say that skill becomes second nature. While this kind of second nature may feel like a permanent change because we have practiced it, it will never be our true nature. Most skills and talents are perishable. That just means that if we don't use the skill, we lose the ability to do it. I personally experienced this when I learned the flute in middle school. I grew to be pretty good at it, but then I stopped playing for years. Now I can barely remember how to hold a flute properly, much less play it. Somewhere along the way, I lost the ability to play that instrument altogether. I lost what I had once called second nature because it wasn't truly part of who I was. 
That's not the kind of second nature that I want to talk about, though. The second nature that I'm talking about is the righteousness of Christ, which is permanent. To be righteous means that we stand in a right relationship with God, clean of sin. But because of the sin nature we were all born with, we can't do this alone. We can't be clean of sin by ourselves. We need Jesus. When we choose to follow and put our faith in Him, our nature is permanently changed from our sin nature to the righteous nature of Christ. This happens when we join Jesus in dying to our sin nature that we were born with, and because of His resurrection, we can be born again only this time with a new righteous nature. When we choose to follow Jesus, something happens at a molecular level and our internal nature is changed permanently. Naturally green hair. Think of it this way. Imagine for a minute that the only way to escape the evil from this world was to attend a party. Imagine that this party had enough space for everyone to come but this party has a rule in order to get in. To attend the party, you need lime green hair. If I choose to go to the party, I would need to get hair bleach and hair dye because my hair is naturally brown. To be able to attend, I could cover over my brown hair, but in reality, that wouldn't change what my natural hair color is. So, in order to remain at the party long-term, I would have to continually bleach and color my hair. The party here represents the presence of God. And the rule of having lime-green hair is what it means to be righteous and free of sin. While hair color would be a trivial rule to have when inviting people to a party, the hair color is just a symbol of what it is to be free of sin. And being free of sin is a requirement to be in the presence of God. Since God's nature is so good, anything that is evil cannot withstand His presence. Since He is totally pure and 100% righteous, anything that is not good will be destroyed by just coming close to Him. And since doing evil and sinning is as natural to me as my brown hair, I would not be able to withstand his presence because of my sin nature. None of us naturally belong in the good presence of God because we have all messed up. We are all born with sin. No one can naturally have lime green hair, just like no one can naturally be righteous because of the fall. Let's say that the host of the party gave out hair bleach and hair color as a way for people to get into the party. That way to get in, to be in the presence of God, would represent the Old Testament law. God, in His love and not wanting anyone to miss out on abundant life, provided the law that would cover over our sin nature. The hair dye could cover over my brown hair, but it would not truly change my natural hair color. Yes, the Old Testament law made a way for people to be saved and live in the presence of God, 
but it was not permanent, and it didn't fix the root issue. The law was powerless to actually change our nature, and eventually, the sin nature of people's hearts surfaced. The roots grew out and showed that we are incapable of keeping up with the color job on our own souls. We proved that we couldn't even follow the step-by-step directions on the box of the hair dye, and ultimately, the law only showed how much we couldn't do it on our own. The burden of bleaching and coloring our hair would not be a permanent solution, just as the Old Testament law was not meant to be a permanent solution. A permanent solution either. Eventually, the expiration date on the box of the hair dye passed, and it is no longer effective. Now imagine what a miracle it would be if I shaved my head completely and it started to grow in lime green. My natural hair color would actually be lime green, and I would be able to remain in the presence of God permanently. What kind of miracle would have to happen for something that drastic to take place? Naturally Righteous This is where Jesus comes in. Because Jesus was God himself, he was not born under our sin nature but born with that original righteous nature that God intended us to have when he first created mankind. Even though Jesus was human, he was also God and was born righteous. He naturally had lime green hair. But Jesus didn't stop at only showing us how to live righteously, but also made a way for us to also become righteous ourselves. In joining Jesus in his death and resurrection, we die to our assumed sin nature and are born again into his perfect nature. We take on his righteousness as our true nature, one that doesn't fade or wash out. But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Romans 3, 21-25a We now have a second nature that is permanent and natural. It's not the kind of second nature that will fade if we don't practice it, but a true change in who we are. When we say yes to Jesus, that transforms our hearts at a molecular level. The truest thing about us is no longer our sin, but is the righteousness that we have through Jesus. We have been changed in our very nature so that we can stand in the presence of God without worrying about sin. 
there is nothing that we can do to change our hair color on our own. Even though many people try to wash up and change their hair color by themselves, what they don't understand is that we don't even have clean water to wash up with, and any leftover hair color that we find is long expired. When that leftover hair color is used now, all that is left is an even bigger mess of sin and self-righteousness. Many of us have seen the self-righteous forms of religion that are mere shadows of what God originally intended. Our works cannot save us. Only Jesus can change our sin nature into a righteous one. Once that happens, once we have a naturally righteous nature, then we get to continue to live out of that reality instead of going back to our sin. It's not that doing what's right or following the rules saves us, but it's more accurate to say that doing what's right naturally flows from our new righteous nature. This is how we were originally meant to be. We were created in the image of God and originally created to reflect His righteous majesty. In reality, the heart change that takes place as a result of Jesus is a restoration that restores us to God's original intention. God originally intended all to have naturally green hair, and it is through the miraculous work of Jesus that our nature is restored to that place of righteousness in Christ. But what about when sin creeps back in? What about when we don't live out of our righteous identity? What happens in those imperfect moments when we still choose to live in and go back to sin? Does this change who we are on the inside? Does it compromise our new righteous nature? How would I be able to face God's presence again if I keep going back to sin after He redeemed me? No condemnation. So what now? While sitting on the edge of my bed, feeling the shame of my sin wash over my heart for betraying my husband and watching pornography again, I tensed up knowing this wasn't who I wanted to be. I was a Christian who continued to go back to sin. I messed up and hurt people more than just once. But now I felt the true weight of my poor decisions. In that moment, the Holy Spirit whispered a Bible verse to my heart that I had learned as a kid but didn't really understand until this moment. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1 This verse lit up my heart with hope. It was then that I realized that even when I do fall into sin, it doesn't mean that I am sinful again. It doesn't change my nature, my identity, back to being sinful. Once I said yes to following Jesus, my heart transformed and my hair color changed to lime green permanently. I now know that just because I sin, that doesn't mean that my hair grows out brown again. I'm not kicked out of God's presence when I sin. 
my nature does not again become sinful. Sin no longer has that kind of power over me. And even though I sin, it can no longer keep me from the presence of my Heavenly Father. That is what Paul means when he said, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Condemnation is the punishment for sin, and the punishment for sin is separation from God's presence. But that is no longer part of me. I no longer have brown hair or a sin nature. So the death sentence is no longer valid for me. This is the truth when it comes to being a child of God. We naturally have lime green hair, so to speak, so that we can belong in the presence of God. But in that moment of shame and loathing, it was hard to remember this truth. In that moment of self-loathing, I knew all these truths in my head, but I was having trouble understanding them in my heart. All I could think about was how I had hurt my husband and God. I wanted to believe that I was still righteous, but it seemed like I just couldn't. So, in those moments of shame and condemnation, I don't have to listen to the whispers that question my righteous status because my identity is truly righteous. It's who I am. You might even say that sin can act like mud. Mud would only cover up my green hair, not change it back to brown. Just as sin would only distort and cover up our righteous nature, not change it back to being sinful. There is no condemnation. And that truly is good news. The True Gospel For me, this has been a life-changing way to view the gospel. The gospel isn't just a story about how God loves us. While, yes, God's love holds a massive role in the gospel— because it was out of his great love for us that he gave us Jesus to take punishment for our sins. But the true beauty in the gospel lies in how God changes us from the inside out. He shifts our nature back to what he originally intended it to be. He restores us to be his children. We die to our old nature and we are born again into our new nature through Jesus. This change in our nature is even more miraculous than if my hair began to naturally grow out green. Sin no longer has a legal hold on me because I am a child of God. My nature has truly been changed. The beauty in the gospel comes in those moments of shame when I give in to temptation and sin. That's when the Holy Spirit reminds me that I am not what I do. I am not my sin. On the days when I flipped my laptop open to take in images not meant for me, I surrendered part of my identity to sin. I slopped piles of mud on my hair and didn't act out of my new righteous nature. But at the same time, That sin did not change who I was. It did not make me unrighteous. This is the true beauty of the gospel we believe in. 
we are made righteous through Christ. While going back to sin and soaking my hair in mud doesn't change my identity, it does make it less vibrant. So how do I restore my hair to its natural lime green color? When I've stumbled and messed up, what can I do to restore the vibrancy of my righteous nature? Reaching for the expired box of hair color, that is the law or good works, won't get me anywhere. No, I need to humble my heart and run to my Heavenly Father, because only He has the clean water that washes away sin. This coming back to God when we have sinned is what we call repentance. Repentance is a beautiful part of the gospel in that we turn away from our sin and turn towards God. Repentance is how we grow and take steps in our faith to become more and more like Jesus. By leaning into the conviction of the Holy Spirit inside us, we become aware of our sin, the mud that we've splattered on our head. Once we see the sin for what it is, we get to repent and turn from that sin and ask God to wash us up. I now live out of the reality that God loves me so much that He has changed my nature from sin to righteousness. I live out of the truth that my nature is now pure and righteous. And when the Holy Spirit whispers to my heart and reveals some mud that I have stuck to my hair, I simply take my mess to God and let Him wash me up so I can truly live out of a place of pure righteousness. We have been saved from our perceived first nature and have been given a second one. We are now alive in Christ. We died to our old selves, to our old nature. My sin, my brown hair, is gone. I am truly a new creation in Christ, free from condemnation. That is the truest thing about me. I am new. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Mud in Our Hair Perhaps while listening to this chapter, the Holy Spirit brought to your mind some sin in your life, some mud that you have in your hair that He wants to clean out. Perhaps you've experienced the beauty of conviction and just didn't know what to call it. That pull deep inside your soul that wants to turn from sin and return towards God with everything you have, leaving no area of our hearts off limits. If you are brave, I invite you to pray this next short prayer with me to invite the Holy Spirit to uncover some of the sin in our hearts the mud in our hair. Remember, there is nothing special about these words. I simply offer them as a guide to make space for us to hear from the Holy Spirit. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, come and open my heart. I want to live out of my righteous identity. 
that comes from you? Is there a specific sin that you want me to deal with? What is it? You perhaps got a memory of a specific sin. Or maybe you saw the words in your mind or got a picture in your imagination. However the Holy Spirit brought it up, think about that sin for just a moment. Think about how it covers over top of your righteous identity. But also think about how through Jesus there is no condemnation. God still loves you apart from that sin. And he loves you too much to leave you in it. So, when you are ready, let's pray a prayer of repentance together. And when you hear me say, this sin, please insert your own sin that he brought to your mind. Father God, I am sorry for this sin. I see how it has affected my relationship with you. And I see how this sin does not define me. Please wash out all of the mud from this sin and help me live out of my righteous identity. In Christ. Jesus, thank you for paying for my sin and making a way for me to be changed from the inside out. I renounce this sin and say it has no part in me. I choose to live out of my righteous nature in Christ. Holy Spirit, walk with me. Help me to not go back to this sin. And help me live for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Resources If you've made it this far, in the book and in the chapter, I believe that you have a deep desire to truly live out of your identity in Christ. So today, our resources come in the form of two separate challenges that have helped me grow tremendously in my walk with Jesus. Firstly, if the Holy Spirit brought up a sin that you feel convicted about, I challenge you to tell a close friend who also loves Jesus. Find a brother or sister in Christ and share with them that you struggle with this specific sin. I suggest finding someone the same gender as you and then asking them to pray for you to be healed from that sin and the underlying hurt that may have caused it. Sharing each other's burdens and struggles 
are a biblical way to continue to grow and stay accountable to what God is doing in our hearts. Our second challenge is to read or listen to the book of Romans chapters 1 through 8 in the New Living Translation. We read a lot of Romans together in this chapter, so I would love for you to be able to go back and read it now with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to open your understanding to see how this applies to our identity in Christ. For me, Romans is one of the most encouraging yet challenging books in the Bible, which is why it's my favorite. Reading chapters 1 through 8 will only take you about 15 minutes, but I believe it will bring such depth in your identity walk in Christ. Next time you hear your friends talking about a book that they're reading, tell them about The Truest Thing, published via the BookCast. Because technically, you are reading a book as you listen to this podcast. And if you have listened from chapter one, then you're almost done with reading one of the first books published solely through an audio format. And I think that's pretty cool. Thank you for being part of this journey, and I hope that you have a blessed day in Jesus.